This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome into episode number 86 of the Huskies Warming House podcast. I'm Noah Grant, uh, joined only by myself today uh, here on this Monday, November 8th. Excited to have all of our listeners uh, with me uh, wherever you're listening. I would imagine uh, maybe Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, but nonetheless, happy to have all of you with me. A little bit of a different show for just only this week here. We do have some men's hockey guests that will be joining me in the second half of the show. So what does that mean for the first half? Well, it's going to be some of the regular portions of the show that you're familiar with. The Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. We've got some information related to some college hockey and NHL news as well. And then I'm probably going to talk for uh, maybe about 15 to you know, 20 minutes, no longer than that, I would uh, imagine, uh, about some men's hockey, some women's hockey, uh, and a little bit of notes about the Minnesota Wild and how they've been doing as well. Like I mentioned, this will be the only time that this show will be uh, combined, if you will, with the Healthy Scratch interview segment in which we uh, have two freshman hockey players joining us, so stay tuned for that one as well. And then next Sunday, we should have a relatively normal release time uh, for the next couple of weeks at least. Uh, it's going to be Alex Micheletti, son of uh, Pat Micheletti that's going to be joining me co-hosting the show while Nick Maxson is out with other duties and his job and employment opportunities. So without further ado, we're going to start with Center ICU News and Notes and the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Starting off this week's Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, St. Cloud State men's hockey back in action in the NCHC for the first time since the spring of last year, getting their first taste uh, this last weekend. Coming away unscathed in Colorado Springs, although it was a little hairy on Friday night, but it was a sweep over the Colorado College Tigers. The Huskies have not lost in regulation at Colorado College since, I believe, the mid-2010s, uh, and that trend continued. Uh, Yami Kranola continues his tear, scoring with minutes to play in regulation on Friday. Uh, he tied that hockey game at two and then buried his own rebound in the short, gl- short side glove to end that game in overtime. Uh, a great win for the team there. Micah Miller uh, tallying a goal in that game. Kevin Fitzgerald and Seamus Donahue had two assists apiece. And Kyler Kupka and David Rennick had a single assist. Good to see David Rennick uh, on the assist point tally. Uh, Rennick was also brilliant, stopping 32 of 34 shots in that win. Uh, on Saturday, the Huskies uh, continued the trend in a little more dominant fashion on the road. A uh, 4-1 victory for them. Zach Okabe and Kevin Fitzgerald earning back-to-back goals in period three to seal off that win. Uh, Nolan Walker scoring, as well as Micah Miller tallying his second of the weekend. Good to see him on the scoreboard once again. Uh, they Walker and Miller each scored with under three minutes to play uh, in that first period. And the lone Tigers goal um, for CC came in period number two. Uh, Mason Solquist. Easton Brodzinski, Seamus Donahue, and Spencer Meyer each had an assist in that hockey game. And Kevin Fitzgerald, again, two assists for him. What a season he is having in his fifth year in a Huskies uniform. Uh, I believe it's a five-point weekend uh, for him last weekend. And uh, it's kind of been intriguing to listen that uh, 
four-point weekends, three-point weekends, five-point weekends. They've been kind of attributed to Kevin Fitzgerald and his name as of late. So I um, just very impressive what he's been able to do on the ice this season. Uh, the Huskies limited Colorado College in night number two to 24 shots, and Rennick snagged all but one of those. Uh, the team improved to 8-2 and two on the season. They're 2-0 and in conference play in the NCHC. And the team will head back home for a weekend series. They're going to host Nebraska-Omaha this weekend. Uh, and Nebraska-Omaha split with Miami-Ohio last weekend. I believe they lost in the first night and won in night number two. Uh, moving over to some women's hockey, they were also back in action. The team hosted uh, Minnesota State Mankato at home uh, after a tough weekend they had against Ohio State. Uh, you know, we kind of talked about Mankato being a team with the Huskies. This group could probably handle, and they did. Uh, first, uh, an eerily similar victory, 3-2 victory in overtime, propelling the Huskies on Friday. Taylor Lind setting up Mackenzie Bourgeray on a give-and-go shot for the game winner. Mackenzie Bourgeray and Taylor Lind both having fantastic seasons. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Lynn's second assist of the game and Borgeray's second goal of that hockey game. Emma Gentry was the other lone goal scorer and Yanina Newland also had an assist in that game. And it was sophomore netminder Sonia Hola stopping 36 of 38 shots. Looked very good this weekend. Uh, on Saturday, the women's team replicated the men's team. Uh, again, identical uh, dominant 4-1 to win. Yanina Newland and Emma Gentry scored in the second. And Addie Scribner got her first goal in the third. And Kenzie Wiley added, I believe, the second goal of her career, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, six different Huskies had assists, and Sonia Hola back in net. She was brilliant, stopping all but one of 39 shots that came her way. So talk about some good goaltending from the sophomore netminder. Team improving to 4-5-1 overall and 2-5-1 in conference play. So the women's team will be off this week while the men uh, host Omaha, but then next week they've got a home-and-home. Home. They're home on Friday and on the road Saturday, I believe, against the Minnesota Gophers. Uh, I know it's a home-and-home home against the Gophers. I believe it's Friday, Saturday. Saturday. I could be wrong on that one. So um, check your calendars for that. Um, in our two biggest stories, uh, a coach is out in Chicago and a player was traded and both of them big headlines in the hockey world. Let's start in Chicago. They ousted head coach Jeremy Culleton after an 0-9-1 start to the season and Chicago actually just getting their first win last night in overtime against Nashville after um, Culleton was ousted. Derek King, who was the current coach of the um, Chicago's AHL affiliate, he was the interim head coach and got his first win uh, at the NHL level. Culleton was in his fourth campaign coaching the club, which entered Saturday's action rank 20 ninth in goals per game and 31st in goals against um, per contest this season so just a difficult difficult season on and off the ice in Chicago uh, in another place that we expected to have more turmoil than the Chicago Blackhawks but somehow having less still uh, in Buffalo um, it finally happened Jack Eichel and his 10 million dollar annual cap hit he was sent to Vegas for currently injured forward Alex Tuck prospect Peyton Krebs a 2022 first round pick that is top 10 protected and a 2020 second round selection. Vegas was also able to nab a third round selection in that same 2023 draft in the deal. Uh, right now, as it sits right now, uh, Vegas, uh, if everybody comes back healthy, of course, they're missing match Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. Um, they're also, I believe, $10.3 million over the cap if everyone is healthy. So how they're going to figure that out, I'm not quite sure. Uh, reports state that the team is in favor of Eichel getting the next surgery that he uh, wants, and the timeline is going to be roughly four to five months or so for his return. Uh, in other NHL news, the Arizona Coyotes uh, at Sunday, anyway, have lost 11 straight, which was the second longest streak in NHL history. Only the 1944 New York Rangers were worse, 0-14-1 through their first 15 games before winning their 16th game of the season. Uh, in Chicago, Brad Aldrich's name was also X'd off the Stanley Cup at the request of Rocky Wartz contacting the Hall of Fame, and the NHLPA is under investigation for their actions regarding the Kyle Beach incident. In our final topic of the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, New York Rangers defenseman Adam Fox earned a seven-year extension worth $9.5 million annually. Another defenseman, a young D-man, getting his payday. Ottawa named young forward Brady Kachuk as captain. Anaheim's Ryan Getzloff passed Tamo Solani for the Ducks' all-time points lead. Talk about a player who's been there for... <laughs> quite a while. Uh, and Nashville will retire netminder Pekka Rene is number 35 in February as the winningest netminder in franchise history for the club. Uh, finally, in injury news, Columbus's Patrick Laine, he's going to miss four to six weeks with an oblique strain. Vegas's William Carlson is out four to six weeks as well with a broken foot. Washington's Anthony Mantha is out indefinitely after shoulder surgery. Montreal's Matthew Perot is out two to three weeks after an eye injury that's been bothering him for quite some time, apparently. Uh, Toronto's Peter Morazic, he's going to miss an additional four weeks. It's been a tough tough road for uh, Mr. Morazic up there in the six. And Florida's Alexander Barkov is day-to-day. 
And in other news, New Jersey forward Miles Wood also underwent right hip surgery on Monday with no timetable for his return. And once again, welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast. Noah Grant coming to you alone for probably, I would imagine, the only time in show history and hopefully the only time in show history. But I guess we'll uh, we'll have to see where the journey takes us. But speaking of journeys, why don't we start off with a little bit of uh, trivia here um, with some men's hockey. But before that, uh, if anyone is curious, like we had mentioned earlier, Nick Maxson out for the next uh, next couple of Sundays, at least Sundays and Mondays with his travel and his um great opportunities that he's getting um, related to uh, employment interviews and things like that and things that he is getting ready to pursue post-college as he is in the last year of his degree and we're very excited for him so that is why he's going to be missing for a little bit but like I said Alex Micheletti will be joining us next week we're happy to have him and excited to bring him into the fold Alex is just a fantastic human being as far as myself um, I've been doing good with nursing school and things like that so uh, yeah it's been a it was a pretty tumultuous week in terms of all the work that had to be done last week but uh we're here we're thriving and we're happy to have you listening here on the huskies warming house podcast like i said back to some trivia uh involves some men's hockey here and the question did read mark hardigan was one of the best st Cloud state men's hockey players ever to wear a huskies uniform he holds at least six records at the university however what single game record does he hold he has two for the same feet so either of those were fine Give you a few seconds to think about that one. And it was actually at SCSU Buck, SCSU BUC, that was our winner, a first time winner. Um, Hardigan, he holds the Huskies' records for goals in a career with 86, goals in a season with 37, points in a season with 75, and shorthanded goals in a season with six. But the question answer that we were looking for were goals in a single period with four. He also holds the record for fastest four goals uh, in St. Cloud State history against UAA on February 15, 2002 in the second period. Of course, coming close to him was Zach Okabe and uh, um, his performance against Mankato in the holiday tournament. Uh, uh, about what would it be a year and a half ago now two years ago something like that uh, his kind of breakout campaign his first four goals of the season but congratulations to at SCSU Buck we were happy to have you on the board as a trivia winner speaking of the men's hockey team why don't we roll right on over to them and kind of what they have going on like we mentioned it, it was a game on Friday night that um, if I can pull my sheet up here it was a game on Friday night that I don't know the Huskies. I, I wouldn't say that they were, you know, unprepared by any means. It was a good team win. Um, this Colorado College team, it, what I'm trying to get at here, this Colorado College team, they don't strike me as a group that is going to be a bottom dweller or is a bottom dweller or will be a bottom dweller for very long in the NCHC. The way that they play, their structure, they're getting contributions up and down the lineup. But now I know that we had mentioned that they were a group that really doesn't score a whole lot. So a lot of their wins and opportunities have come uh, you know in low scoring games for the most part they had obviously the five to three win against bc a couple weeks ago but most of their wins you know three to two three to one two to one those sorts of things so they are a, a still a more defensive structured team they kind of remind me a little bit of the minnesota wild in years past if you will um but yeah i this is a group especially with that beautiful building at ed ropes and arena which the huskies visited for the first time this weekend they had a good crowd and uh this program is suddenly it feels like trending in the right direction so i would watch out for colorado college especially as the season goes along they're only going to get better not only this year but moving into uh years later so like we mentioned uh first period was micah miller tallying from kevin fitzgerald and kyler coop going to open the scoring and then in the second period uh cc gets on the board and that was the lone tally of period number two so one to one entering period number three and then colorado college on the power play uh, scoring it was Brett Chorsky uh, tallying at 657 to period number three he was answered by y- Yami Cranel and it started to be the Yami Cranel show at the end of this game uh, 1535 in a period number three on the power play from Seamus Donahue and Kevin Fitzgerald uh, to make that game two to two and then in overtime it was just, uh, David Rennick feeding Seamus Donahue up to Yami Cranel who came in on the glove side the right hand side down the ice initial shot nice save got his own rebound and put it short side high over the glove three minutes and eight seconds into overtime to win that that game for the Huskies. So a good road win, a good test in the NCHC. Thought it made them very um, prepared uh, for what is to come in the NCHC. A good little opening test, if you will. Um, and then they really they really took it to uh, Colorado College on that Saturday night with that 4-1 to victory. Um, Nolan Walker scoring. Um, 
as well as Micah Miller scoring. Those goals both coming within the last three minutes of period number one. Micah Miller's goal, actually a shorthanded goal from Kevin Fitzgerald. Mason Solquist and Eason Brodzinski tallying on the opener for the Huskies to make it 2-0 after one. And then uh, Jordan Biro, who actually... Um, uh, had two goals on the weekend for the Colorado College Tigers, both of them coming in the second period of each game, respectively. Uh, he was able to get on the board the lone goal for the Tigers to make it 2-1. to one. And then just under five minutes into period three, Zach Okabe from Kevin Fitzgerald once again. Seamus Donahue, a great weekend for him as well on the assist call, making it 3-1. to one. And then uh, just over halfway through the period, Kevin Fitzgerald found the back of the net in the goal column from Zach Okabe and Captain Spencer Meyer to cap off that 4-1 to one win. Like I mentioned, David Rennick, absolutely brilliant uh, this weekend. And you talk about this Huskies team as we kind of look at the recap of what we've seen from this group so far. Kevin Fitzgerald, obviously, um, I don't know what he's been taking, but I want some of it because uh, you look at a 29.4% shooting percentage, 13 points on and 17 shots on goal, five goals, eight assists in 10 games played for uh, the fifth year super senior, if you will. Uh, he is just having an, an otherworldly season and, and the way he plays his tenacity below the goal line and you look at um, you know those eight assists uh, he's a guy that's just he's not afraid to uh, muck some barn if you will below the tops of the circles um, always hard in on the forecheck always winning battles you know it really again we talked so much about him and the Dave Shiak grease pan goals and and that extends beyond the net mouth and the greediness that Kevin Fitzgerald brings and um, he's just in terms of the college hockey level and the division one level he's about as complete of a 200-foot player right now, I think, as you can imagine. This Huskies group uh, didn't know if they were going to have him back for this season, and he just continues to be on another level. Um, speaking of another level, uh, junior forward Yami Kranilai, six goals, four assists for him, 10 points. Same number of shots with 17, but a 35.3 shooting percentage for him. Um, I mean, you just... <laughs> what more can you ask from a guy? Kind of interesting, both of these guys, right? Six goals for Kranilai, three power play goals for him, five goals for Fitzgerald, and four power play goals for Kevin out of those five goals he's scored. And we talk about the power play. I know it's skewed a little bit because of the St. Thomas series, but I, I, I don't care what team you are. Um, when it comes to Division One hockey, 17 for 39, this Huskies hockey club at a 12, or excuse me, um, a 43.6% conversion percentage. That is... It's, regardless, it's absurd. <laughs> it's just absurd. I, there's no other way to put it. And a pretty good PK sitting at over 87%, uh, killing all but four of their 32 penalty kills on the other side. So special teams-wise, this Huskies group um, finding a lot of firepower on the offensive side and really good defensively too. And that's been the St. Cloud State Hockey MO in the way that they develop a lot of players. Just uh, the ability to defend um, you know, and also attack the complete 200-foot player, the diamonds in the rough, if you will, and this Huskies group, I uh, didn't know how they were going to be to start the season, but boy, they sure have returned to form very quickly, and hopefully they can keep that rolling into some tough NCHC um, contests, especially as we move through the year. Uh, Nolan Walker rounding out the top three in points, joined by Easton Brodzinski, Zach Okabe, and Seamus Donahue with seven points each. Then you got a bunch of guys, Micah Miller with five points, including four goals and an assist this year. Great to see him in the goal column. Um, you know, there's a guy that we talked about, you know, he was going to have to be one of those players that had to break out production wise, you know, one to, I think, kind of solidify his place in the lineup, but also just for a little bit of confidence for him and what he brings to the table and continuing that production and Micah Miller having one fantastic senior season, uh, 25 shots, I, I believe that sits third on the team. Yeah, just trailing Nolan Walker by a single shot and Vietti Mietnin, only one goal to his credit this year, 38 shots. Uh, on goal for him only a two percent shooting percentage i gotta imagine that's going to change if you have a guy that shoots that much uh, especially a guy who's really is a power play specialist so i uh, impressed with a lot of these guys mason Solquist with four points on the year um you know and you're getting production up and down the lineup it's going to be a little bit similar to what we talked about with the minnesota wild is i think the huskies have a little bit more of the big guns that are contributing but at the same time, they're getting depth scoring all the way through the lineup, and uh, it's just been very impressive. Speaking of being impressive, David Rennick has nine games played to his credit, over 517 minutes of action for him this season in a Husky sweater, only allowed 12 goals in those nine games for a 1-3-9 goals against average and a 944 save percentage for a 7-2 record, 203 saves on the year for him. I mean, it... <laughs> I mean, what more can you ask from a, from a guy that, uh, you know, we, we've talked about him so much, about him jokingly stopping the first goal of the game, doing all the things right that he had to do to be a consistent goaltender. And I uh, don't want to speak too much on to that because goaltending is a, is a fickle thing. But uh, David Rennick, uh, <laughs> looking like a well-deserved uh, draft pick selection for the Los Angeles Kings. Let's just... Uh, 
Let's just put it that way. So um, if I'm not mistaken here, as I'm looking at the shot charts here, the Huskies out shooting their opponents by, I believe it's 40, excuse me, 30, exactly 30 shots um, comparatively. Um, and that margin starting off early in the hockey game and that's something that we talked about St. Cloud a couple years ago. You know, they really struggled with this young group of trying to grab the game early. Shot differential 106 to 69 uh, in favor of St. Cloud State. So, and then pretty even a plus two advantage in period number two, and then a minus uh, nine differential in period number three, and even in overtime. So, um, but goal wise, uh, 38 to 14 um, are the Huskies in that advantage right there. So, um, a plus whatever it is, if I can do math quickly here, I believe that's plus 20, I just had it in my head, 14, 24, 34, 24, it'd be 24. I wanted to say 14 for some reason, but I knew that wasn't right. So um, as always, math, not my strong suit, but nonetheless, the Huskies uh, sitting at eight and two overall and two and oh in conference play. So, and like you mentioned, that six and two record in non-conference play, propelling them to a very good uh, start to the season so far. Let's see if they can continue it uh, on down the road. Uh, as we move over to the women's hockey side, again, eerily similar. <laughs> in the way that these games ended up. Let's start on Friday night, that 3-2 win over the Mavericks. And uh, Mavericks getting on the board uh, first. And when I say first, it was just moments into the second period and a good response. Mackenzie Bourgeret unassisted on the power play. Uh, two minutes and 54 seconds into period two to tie that game at one. Mankato responded in the third period uh, with a power play goal of their own to go up two to one. But then it was Emma Gentry uh, from Taylor Lind and Nina Newland that uh, tied that hockey game uh, well into the early stages of period number three. Then it was a nice give and go. Uh, Taylor Lind to Mackenzie Bourgeret. A really nice seeing eye shot. Uh, good call by Mr. Nick Maxson on the broadcast there. If you haven't gotten a chance to check that out for a 3-2 to two overtime win, a great win, great home win. Sonia Hola, like we mentioned, was fantastic uh, between the pipes for this women's hockey club. And then on Saturday, again, a 4-1 to one win. It's so eerily similar <laughs> the way these games were. Um, but nonetheless, Enina Newland was the one to strike first in the second period from Emma Gentry to put the Hussies up one nothing. But then it was Kelsey King, a great hockey player um, for Mankato there, has been a staple in that lineup for quite a while. Um, she answered late in the second period to uh, tie that game at one. But then Emma Gentry, um, with less than a minute to play in period two from Taylor Lynn, making that game two to one, entering period number three. And then it was all Huskies, Addie Scrivener and uh, Kenzie Wiley, both adding markers before the five-minute mark of period number three. Allie Cornelius, Mackenzie Bourgeret twice, and Courtney Hall were able to tally assists uh, in that contest in the four to one win and like we mentioned uh, i was 38 of 39 stays for sonia hole in this women's hockey group that these are the teams that uh they definitely have to handle your bemidji states your mankatos your st thomas's uh even potentially duluth throw them in there and then if you can maybe grab one against those top echelon teams your minnesotas your wisconsin's your ohio states uh you know that's the stepping stone that we're trying to uh go through right now with the women's hockey program but a much more complete effort a very balanced offense a very balanced effort a great defense effort for this group the way that they kept plays to the outside and um, still looking to suppress that shot volume a little bit more um, but nonetheless uh, keeping par uh, with with the teams that they are playing that uh, you know are kind of in that similar echelon for them right now um, as far as the WCHA is concerned winning percentage approaching 500 now they're at 450 so again nice to see that climb as well and Taylor Lind um you know, a player who had a couple of assists in that original hockey game on Friday night in 10 games played. She's a point-per-game player. Two goals, eight assists, 10 points, really turning herself into a setup player. And we saw that a couple of years ago when she came in to her freshman season. She was a player that had a lot of natural skill and natural talent, but really was looking for a little bit more poise with the puck, a little bit more, you know, when you think about a playmaker like Taylor Lind has developed into, you think about the way that they're able to kind of slow the game down, control the pace, and let let the play develop in front of them or create that opportunity to find their teammate back door or a nice drop pass and, and make plays like that. She has a nice bit of speed to her as well. And, uh, um, you know, as a 7% shooting percentage on 28 shots to go along with it means she's also creating offense, even though she only has two goals to her credit. So she leads the team in points. It's been a fantastic year for here 
for her, Emma Gentry leading the team in goals with five goals. Hey, if you're going to have someone that's going to be a setup player like Taylor Lind, you're going to have have to have another player like Emma Gentry who's able to put the puck in the net as well. So in uh, 48 shots for her this season over 10 games. How about that? I believe that would be uh, 4.8 shots a game. <laughs> if I can do math, that's probably wrong. I'm sure it is. Uh, and I believe one of the best shooting percentages on the team yet, just uh, approaching just under 11% shooting percentage. So good for her. Mackenzie Bourgeray, um, looking very comfortable with seven points as well. Only 12 shots to her credit, so maybe a little bit more shooting prowess um, expected for her, but that <laughs> alludes to a 25% shooting percentage for her. So um, I think that you're starting to see a player, um, Mackenzie Bourgeray, kind of reminds me a little bit of Clara Himmerova um, in, in her early uh, seasons with the Huskies, where she was able to produce a little bit, but just looking to kind of round out that 200-foot game for her. But nonetheless, uh, sitting tied for second on the team in points uh, is very impressive uh, for the sophomore forward there. Yanina Newland doing her thing, six points in eight games for her, uh, 29 shots. I, again, a lot of shot volume from uh, some of these players up in there. Allie Cornelius, 30 shots for her. There's a player that's really developed uh, uh, on that front as well. Olivia Savar, um, 28 shots for her as well. And how about Tatum Geyer um, on the back end there with four points to her credit. Uh, looking good uh, on the assist column as well too. So McKenna Wessel, Courtney Hall, um, also rounding out that top piece. Clara Hemlerova, uh, two points, only four games to her credit, though, so hopefully we can find her back um, in that column as well, too. And like I mentioned, it's good to see Sonia Hola um, and her goaltending structure be able to um, kind of pull through pivotally because, as we know, Emma Paluzny, um, you know, has been a staple on that back end, um, along with Janine Alder for a little bit. Um, before Janine graduated um, her senior season, Emma Paluzny has been that rock solid goaltender, but you also have to be worried about the future. And don't forget, you also have Carly Reese in there um, that is able to backstop the team as well um, when it is needed. So um, when you look at this women's hockey club, I excited for them to uh, get a nice little sweep on home ice. They've got a good test against the Golden Gophers group. In fact, why don't we pull up that schedule for you here so I can try to get those dates correct if I can uh, for our listeners here. It is going to be a Friday-Saturday matchup, November 19th at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. That's going to be at 6 p.m. Central Time and then 3 o'clock on Saturday down in Minneapolis at Ritter Arena. So the Huskies looking to try to climb to 500 against a tough opponent in the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Finally, Speaking of some Minnesota stuff, let's talk very briefly about the Minnesota Wild, who are currently at the time of recording here on Monday night, sitting first in the Central Division and third in the West, only behind the Oilers and Flames in the Pacific with 16 points, uh, eight wins, three losses in 11 games played, 37 goals for... Um, and 36 goals against a goal differential plus one. Not often you see a team with only a plus one goal differential sit first in the central. Granted, it is early in the season, but nonetheless, this Minnesota group uh, is setting some, some extremely crazy <laughs> records, if you will. The Wild leading the NHL with seven one-goal wins and seven come-from-behind wins. I mean, we had that excuse me, that game the other night against uh, Pittsburgh. That was uh, a barn burner, to say the least, a game that the Wild really had no business winning. Uh, but <laughs> sometimes, uh, as a broadcaster I work with says so eloquently, sometimes teams are sometimes too dumb to realize that they're actually supposed to be out of games and they just find a way and find a bounce and you talk about you know a player that has really stepped up i like the way i know dean evison has taken some flack in the past couple of years but the the ability to roll all four lines especially in pivotal moments like that ryan hartman six goals one assist seven points for him a guy that <laughs> I, I know he's a first round selection but i don't know that he's a player that anyone would, really would have had him pegged as uh, a player that <laughs> was going to be that clutch performer, if you will. But hey, depth scoring is depth scoring. The Wild are certainly getting it. Marcus Foligno, eight points for him on the season. Kirill Kaprizov, some people say he sucks or he's not producing. He's got nine points in 11 games, tied for the team lead, two goals, seven assists. Identical to Matt Dumba on the back end, who's plus three on the season as well. He had an empty netter against the Islanders on Sunday night. Um, Matt Zuccarello uh, staying par with Kirill Kaprizov, but only seven games. He's a point-per-game player. In fact, the only point-per-game player that the Minnesota Wild have seven points in seven games there. So Jewel Erickson Heck has been, uh, I wouldn't say relatively quiet, but kind of returned to his more defensive form here. But nonetheless, he reminds me of a, uh, a Miko Koivu-esque player in a sense, but a good 200-foot game and, and a very reliable sentiment on that back end. Jonas Brodeem, six points for him as well. Jared Spurgeon starting to heat up a little bit as well as Brandon Tuheim, a guy that I really like his style of play. He kind of reminds me of the winger version of Nico Sturm and, and the way that... Uh, 
He's gritty and tenacious on pucks, and he also has a little bit of skill to him for a bottom six forward. Um, and he's a guy that uh, um, I think he's well-deserving of his Minnesota Wild sweater. So um, on the back end, of course, uh, good contributions. That third pairing, Kulikov, John Merrill looking good. Combined between the two of them, combining their plus-minuses, plus eight on the season between the two of them. Uh, so it, you definitely can't complain about what this uh, defensive core has brought. And uh, the rotation of depth, especially with a little bit of COVID, pieces guys getting called up adam beckman unfortunately being sent down as well as kaylin addison and their guys that they were essentially expressly told hey you're gonna be back in a minnesota wild uniform soon and the way that they produced uh it should only be a matter of time i I would think for those guys especially with the expiring contracts of victor rask um and then the question marks regarding jordan greenway who just started practicing today nick bukestad uh Looking good in the past couple of games. Only two points to his credit this year, but looking all right. Um, then Kyle Rouse, the guy that's been sitting in the press box. So Cam Talbot, a 285 uh, goals against average and a 904 save percentage. I think he'd like that to be a little bit higher, but seven wins to his credit. So uh, getting the result the team is looking for. And then Capo uh, Kakin in one and one on the season. Um, not the greatest of numbers, 363 and an 860 save percentage for him but uh, a very solid win for him against the Islanders the other night would not be shocked if he maybe gets the start against Arizona um, to continue uh, that stretch of confidence and kind of get him back into the rotation it's hard sometimes when you're sitting on the bench for long stretches especially as a goaltender as well and uh I think that Capo Kakinen, this is a good season for him to just continue to see if he can find some traction and momentum and a little bit of confidence and consistency that we saw with the with the record setting nine games in a row that uh, we have been accustomed to. Um, but again, uh, looked very solid against the New York Islanders as well. So the Minnesota Wild, as we kind of take a look at what they've got going on on the docket, like we mentioned, Wednesday they're in Arizona. Uh, the night after they're going to be in Vegas, and then I believe it's going to be on Saturday they're actually going to be in Seattle before returning against uh, at home against San Jose on the 16th of November. So definitely keep an eye on this Minnesota Wild Club and what they've got going on. And uh, with that being said, I know that was a little bit longer, but I think we were doing all right. We're just coming up uh, on just over half an hour. So I think that's going to do it for the main portion of the show. And we're going to send it over to the healthy scratch interview portion of the segment with two men's hockey freshman players. And welcome into the Healthy Scratch interview segment. Uh, Noah Grant here doing this interview solo. It was a lot of fun having these two guys on the show, Josh Lidke and Mason Salkwist joining me, a defenseman and a forward respectively, uh, joining me on the show. They were a lot of fun. Uh, very happy, very uh, uh, pretty jovial guys and uh, very good hockey players on the ice as well too, fitting in very seamlessly with this men's hockey team. We talked a little bit about uh, their kind of off-season habits, what they were up to this summer, a little bit about what it was like to play for St. Cloud State kind of talked through their first 10 games a little bit about the um, the Nick Perbix uh, gopher incident as well they offer their perspective and their player perspective on what that was like going through that as well and uh, kind of some childhood memories and what it meant for them growing up in North Dakota and Minnesota respectively so without further ado Mason Salquist and Josh Lidke. to the Huskies Warming House podcast, the Healthy Scratch interview segment. Excited to have a pair of freshman hockey players from the men's hockey team. It's Josh Lidke and Mason Salquist that are joining me, a defenseman and a forward, respectively. Boys, uh, how are we doing on this Monday evening? We're doing really good. Thanks for having us, Noah. Yeah, excited to have you guys. Uh, and an exciting start to the season for uh, the men's hockey team. Eight and two overall. You guys have been a part of that, of course. Uh, Mason, I, I kind of wanted to start with you, and I'm actually going to start with a question from my co-host, Nick Maxson, who, of course, isn't joining us this evening. Uh, you've got four points on the season, a little bit of production. Uh, you're kind of in and out of the lineup early, but kind of seemed like you found uh, your footing early here. Uh, you know, What do you attribute to kind of your success early in this season? Yeah, just my teammates, they've been really welcoming early and it's been a lot of fun so far and they made it easy for me to transfer over into the program. So, Yeah, you're a guy that uh, I guess it's safe to say, Mason, uh, you've kind of been invested hockey since before you can remember. Isn't there a story, if I'm not mistaken, about a certain bedtime ritual you had uh, before you had to go to sleep when you were a little kid? Yeah, there was. uh, So every night I wouldn't go to bed without my skates tied on my feet. So my parents at the night would have to climb up and untie my skates. So I wouldn't cut myself. So it's kind of funny. 
Yeah. Okay. I got to ask, have you outgrown the trend or is it still working for you? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember doing that, but, uh, my parents say it's true. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Josh will have to help you help you tie your skates uh, before uh, the pregames when you guys go on your next road trip. Uh, Josh, again, uh, pleasure, pleasure to welcome you in as well. Uh, like we mentioned uh, before the show, you're a little bit outnumbered uh, by a couple of North Dakota boys here. Uh, you're a Minnetonkan, Minnetonka native. And this is another Nick Maxson question. Uh, you actually, I believe, played with teammate Joey Molinar. And then, of course, Jimmy Schultz, a Minnetonka native. Uh, you know, what was the transition like to St. Cloud State uh, following in those footsteps? Yeah, it was awesome. Like Mason said, the guys are super welcoming right from the get go and we have a really good group of guys. So that makes everything easier. And yeah, knowing Joe uh, beforehand definitely helped a lot too. He's someone who I played together with for, I think it was either 10 or 11 straight years in youth hockey and um, all throughout high school together. And then I worked out with Jimmy Schultz this summer too, and I've had a relationship with him. So it's, it's awesome to have those guys and those connections going into it for sure. Yeah. We had Jimmy on the show about probably close to a year ago and he was just an absolute blast to have on it. Just the consummate professional and captain, of course, in his time at St. Cloud state, I, uh, Josh, I guess I got to ask since uh, you play with Joey Molinar, you're a D man yourself. Joey's a bit of a forward one-on-one uh, -on -one coming down the ice. Are you going to stop him every time or what's that battle looking like? Oh yeah. He's not going past me. <laughs> <laughs> no strengths for Joey Molinar whatsoever, apparently. Uh, you know, and I and I wanted to ask Josh. Uh, speaking of kind of the, the lineup card and uh, the practice situation, we've got nine defensemen on the roster that have played in at least a pair of games this season for the Huskies. Of course, you're a freshman coming into that fold. Uh, what has it been like, kind of going through that competitive process and trying to stick in the lineup? Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely one of our strengths. We have a super deep group of defensemen and it's super competitive. So like you said, even in practice, we're only going to get better from it, all of us. So I think it's really beneficial for everyone. And obviously you just want to do your best to contribute and work your hardest to help the team out. So I think that's something that's been really awesome for us. Well, we're happy to have you here at St. Cloud State, and it's kind of an interesting road, especially with the COVID year that uh, your guys' freshman group has had to go in. You've got the fifth-year senior that seems like he's about 35, and Kevin Fitzgerald uh, that welcomes you into the door. But before you even get there, I, Mason, I kind of wanted to ask you, and Josh, feel free to chime in after Mason's answer here. Uh, your actual um, tour of the university, I believe, wasn't it virtual with Nick Oliver, if I'm not mistaken, kind of over Zoom or FaceTime or something like that? Yeah, so it was right when COVID hit our season ended and I got a phone call from our coach and general manager and said, St. Cloud's interested and would like to take you on a virtual visit. So I got in contact with them and I talked to Nick Oliver uh, first and he's just said that we'll do a FaceTime like, <laughs> tour of the locker room and then a Zoom through campus. So that's how it worked and it was unique, but I enjoyed it. So the honest question, Mason, is uh, is Nick Oliver a, a fantastic showman and, a, and like a host of the Herbrooks National Hockey Center? Do you think he'd look good in a, in a, in a tuxedo? How, how did he do? He did well. He did well. I mean, the FaceTime was a little blurry, but <laughs> I've seen it all before. So, I mean, I knew what it was. The only thing I didn't see was the gym. So he just mainly kind of showed me that. So it was nice. Yeah, nice uh, to see the addition of the gym. Of course, when I was there two years ago, that was when those renovations were just getting finished. So it's a fantastic setup that you guys uh, have there. Uh, Josh, for you, um, you know, when did St. Cloud State come calling? Of course, you had a pretty good uh, career in the USHL as well before that. When did you know that the Huskies not only were on your radar, but you knew that uh, you were going to become a Husky? Yeah, it was uh, last summer, actually, that I uh, decided to come to St. Cloud and um, I kind of gone through the recruiting process before and had a established relationship with uh, Larson and coach Oliver and um, talked to coach Shayak too. And they're just all unbelievable coaches. And I think a big thing for me that's super nice is that it's so close to home. It's, it's only an hour away and uh, my family gets to come watch, which is, is super awesome. It's awesome to have them at games. And uh, yeah, obviously uh, winning a national championship too is, is something I've always dreamed of. So we're hoping to accomplish that this year. 
Yeah, definitely. I have a team that has a good chance to do that, I believe. And I think a lot of fans definitely agree with that too. Let's kick it back to some high school days, shall we? Both you guys are actually respected champions in your respective states. Like I mentioned, Mason, a North Dakota veteran on a Red River team. And for those of you who don't know North Dakota high school hockey, the Grand Forks teams are just, uh, you guys are rigged. That's, I'm just going to put it that way. Um, And then Josh, uh, a little bit, I don't want to say more of an uphill battle, but uh, we all know what Minnesota high school hockey is. I'll I'll give them that. I guess if we can start there, also Josh playing in the CCM NIT tournament. I also played in the same tournament, Josh. So I'd like to think that you and I are pretty much the same hockey player. Um, yeah. But we'll let that slide. Anyway, uh, Mason, let's start with you. Red River, uh, going back 2016, the the year after my senior year, uh, state champ tournament MVP in your sophomore year. Also, I believe on Team North Dakota that year, uh, on that same team the following year. Uh, what was that experience like? Didn't you guys go undefeated that year, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, we had a really good group. I mean, the state was, there's a lot of competitive teams in there and we just found a way to be on top at the end of the year. And we ended up having a good, good run in state and championship game was a prior, one of our closest games is four, three. And I think it was like the only game we got outshot in. So it was a lot of fun to come out on top. Well, I'm certainly not going to complain when you beat Bismarck High on any given night. So you can definitely continue that trend all day. 150 points in 80 games for you uh, in in your three years at Red River. So uh, pretty impressive there. Uh, Before I kind of go over to Josh's story, I also wanted to ask you, Mason, uh, you spent some time uh, with Janesville and the Jets for 24 games before finally getting the call up to the Fargo Force. Uh, Kind of going back there, though, your road to the Force really wasn't easy. You you were cut three times from that camp. you finally make the team and then uh, also starting 14 games, then you break your tibia, um, you know, in mid-December and you're out for two months there going through that process in those couple of years of getting cut, finally getting the call up, then knowing you're playing well, having an injury like that, and then knowing you're trying to bounce back and then make a division one program. What was that journey like for you? Yeah, it was, it was an uphill battle. I, I enjoyed my time in Janesville. I signed a tender with them my senior year and ended up, playing okay I thought I thought I probably could have played a little better but it was a nice spot to get my dip my toe in the water and see what juniors is all about and around like Christmas time beginning of December uh, I woke up to a phone call from my Janesville coach and Fargo said that Fargo wanted me to come up and play until Christmas break and then I would end up going back to Janesville and I ended up playing well in Fargo and I ended up Christmas break, first day, woke up from a phone call and I was staying in Fargo the rest of the year. So it was a lot of fun. I was excited to get that phone call. And then with that injury, it was just, it was tough because I know I was playing well and I was climbing the ladder, working my way up. And then having that happen, it was hard, but I battled through it and tried to play through it, but couldn't do it and ended up not playing again the rest of the season. So. Yeah, we're definitely going to touch a little bit more on your Fargo Forest days, 51 points in 92 games uh, in that tenure. Uh, not too shabby, as they would say. Josh, I, I, I kind of leaving you hanging here, so I want to make sure I, I get some of those high school questions. And I, I got to pull up your uh, your piece here. I think it's 2018, the double uh, the A title and 73 points in 67 games in your Minnetonka high school career. What was that like uh, winning uh, a state championship really on kind of the ultimate stage as far as high school hockey is concerned across the country. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. I think growing up in Minnesota and playing high school hockey, that's something you dream about since you're a kid. So it was super special. And part of the best part about it is that you're playing with guys you've played might hockey with growing up all the way through to high school. So it's, it was really special for us. And, um, we had a really close group and it was super fun to finish it off that way for sure. And another cool part of it was that during our section tournament to get to that, um, we were playing Holy family playing against uh, Zemer actually in the section championship at Mariucci. And we were down by one and tied it up with, I think it was three or two seconds left to, to go to overtime and then win in overtime to go to state. So we were right there and, and then we were able to win the state tournament. So it was, it was awesome for sure. 
Yeah, I, one of those things I can only dream. Like I said, I, I mean, I, I played against Neil Pionk once against Hermantown when they had all those runs. I think it was actually, if I'm not mistaken, the same year that Tavi Novak did the bazooka at center ice uh, to, to cap that one off for St. Thomas. But nonetheless, uh, Josh, weren't you actually a, a lacrosse player too in high school? And if so, were you any good? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was very good, but I definitely <laughs> like playing lacrosse. I was more of a defensive midfield player and uh, I kind of got into lacrosse because my brother actually and started playing middle school so it was uh, it was fun because a lot of the guys who played hockey also played lacrosse so it was a fun way for us to stay in shape and stay competitive for sure. Well, not only are you competitive, of course, uh, you have some leadership roles to your belt as well, playing in Des Moines for the Buccaneers uh, for a couple of years there. Uh, over 100 games and uh, 45 points in the back end. Pretty impressive. And captain in your second or I should say second year there, but really it was your fourth year, but really your third year. Kind of hard to just go look at his stats uh, on Elite <laughs> Prospects and, it, and it's easier explained then. But uh, how did you uh, enjoy your time in Des Moines? Yeah, I love my time in Des Moines. Um, we had a really special group last year, close group of guys. And, uh, um, it was, it was an awesome experience to be able to play juniors there. And, um, I really enjoyed my time there for sure. Um, I think one of the cool parts about it is we play in like one of the oldest rinks in the USHL. So we have, uh, an old barn and the fans really get into it there. So it's, it's an awesome atmosphere. Yeah, it's a, definitely seen a couple of pictures of that. And you're right, it has character. Let's just put it that way. Uh, a, bit, a bit of a newer barn, I would say, in Fargo. Actually, um, one of my best friends is actually the head rink manager at Shields Arena there in Fargo. Uh, Mason, uh, you, of course, uh, um, just followed up in the footsteps of Spencer Meyer, who was there the year before you were in Fargo. And then, of course, uh, you played with a guy by the name of Jack Peart, uh, who I heard he was Mr. Hockey somewhere. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but uh, successful at some something, I guess. And then I think, uh, what is that? Tristan bros, um, Aaron, Aaron Huglin and, uh, Brennan Boynton who are all in Fargo and they're all with the golden Gophers now as well. I uh, one, what was it like playing with Jack in Fargo and, uh, how sweet was it to, um, beat the three boys and the golden Gophers once you finally got to the big show here? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun playing with Jack. Uh, he's a great guy and great teammate. And it was nice to build a little friendship before coming here. And now we're roommates and I really like it and we're having a lot of fun and beating those guys on the Gophers felt great. Uh, nothing like it. I actually got a text from Boyce at the end of the, after the game, he's like, really? I was like, sorry, man, but I had to do it to you. <laughs> so it was nice, but I wish I could have got this, the sweep, but it happens like that. So it's all right. I guess uh, while we're on the topic, uh, this is not in the, in the list of questions that either of us have, but I suppose we really haven't gotten a chance to ask the player perspective. Um, and I don't want to put you guys in a, in an interesting spot, but I, I am curious, uh, Nick Perbix wheels around the net on that Saturday night. Uh, what do you guys see from your perspective? What are your thoughts there? Whoever wants to go first, whoever wants to take that ball uh, head on. <laughs> I guess I can talk about it first, but at least from my angle, it definitely looked like a penalty and obviously you don't want the game to end like that after we climbed back and tied it up late with that power play goal. Um, and it's definitely a rivalry for us. It was homecoming weekend. So we obviously wanted to, to get the win for our fans. So it definitely hurt a little bit, but we're just going to use it as motivation uh, going the rest of the way. Yeah, certainly a great bounce back weekend against Wisconsin, uh, the following series. Uh, Mason, I guess to follow up on that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people see, of course, what's on the ice. They see the reaction. They see what's on the cameras, but no one uh, but the, the 25 guys or so in the locker room can really explain what it is after that. Like uh, Josh said, a tough loss. But uh, what was the message from Brett Larson in the room? Do you happen to have any recollection of that? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I thought we played a pretty good game and. It's never easy going out like that. I mean, I, I thought it was a penalty, but I guess the ref didn't see it like that. So it was definitely hard. Yeah, um, I, it kind of was one of those that uh, from the fan perspective, watching on TV, it was in slow motion and it was like, yeah, might have missed one there, but nonetheless, I digress. Uh, we've definitely talked about it more than enough on the show, but it's uh, it, we ha like we said, we haven't gotten the player perspective a little bit quite yet. So I was just curious on that one. Um, also kind of following up on uh, the weekend prior against Mankato Mason, uh, you score uh, your first goal in a Huskies uniform uh, and end up having the game winner on that Saturday night. Uh, um, I believe ended up giving the puck to your parents, if I'm not mistaken. 
I haven't yet, but I'm thinking about putting in a little Christmas gift for them. I don't think they know about it yet, but I don't know. They could have read about it. Um, I still got it. So yeah, I think they're going to get it sometime. So yeah, just a special moment. I I kind of wanted to follow up. This is kind of a trend that we do a little bit on this show. Uh, usually asking players, especially um, players who are kind of in their senior years, but if they remember their first goal, their first point, who was against that sort of thing. You guys only have a couple games under your belt, so I want to test your memory a little bit just to make sure. Like you mentioned, first goal for you, Mason, against Mankato. Um, your first assist, uh, essentially your first collegiate point, who is it against and uh, who is the goal scorer? It was against uh, St. Thomas, and mm-hmm. Brendan Bushy scored it. It was a secondary assist. Yes, it was. Uh, the 10th goal of the game, 10-2. to two. I, I, I wanted to ask, too, also I believe was the first point for Jack Peart, if I'm not mistaken. So did they split the puck in half for you guys, or how did that work? Uh, we actually didn't get it. So <laughs> and I think I think it was actually a second point, but I'm not sure. I could be wrong on that. But yeah, I definitely could be wrong too. I just sleep, sleep deprived college schedules, man. We're, we're all just hanging in there slowly, but surely I, uh, and then Josh, if we're flipping it over to you here, I got to find your piece too. Uh, your first goal, um, just to make sure who'd you score it against? Uh, it was against the Gophers. <laughs> I mean, it was against the Badgers. So I was going to say your first, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't remember it all that well. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just a natural goal scorer in the making from the back end there, Josh. Uh, your first assist though was against Minnesota. Do you remember uh, who you, who you ended up assisting on the tally? Yeah, that must've been the one I was thinking of, but uh, Henches was the one who buried that after I uh, feathered one through to the net. Yeah, Easton Brodzinski had the other assist on that one too. Just making sure yep. you guys are still with us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the season. You guys get to pull on the the, the Cardinal red and black uh, for the first time this season. Uh, you know, for each of you respectively, Josh, we'll start with you. What was it like to play in that first game for the Huskies and play in a Division One hockey game? It was an uh, unreal experience for sure. Uh, my first time throwing on the jersey was uh, versus St. Thomas at the Excel Energy Center. So I think that was an awesome experience to play your first game just because it's, it's where the wild play and it's an awesome rank. So it was, it was a super cool experience. Yeah. Kind of interesting to think that that's not your first time at the excellent energy center. And it's also been a lot more packed uh, the last time that you potentially played there as well, but nonetheless, I digress. Uh, Mason, same question for you. Uh, first time pulling on the Jersey. Did you have a little bit of nerves or did you kind of settle in once you got through warmups? Yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of nerves going in warm-ups, but once the puck dropped, it's just another hockey game, and it was a lot of fun. I love representing the school and throwing on that sweater. Yeah, uh, my co-host Nick Maxson, Mason, refers to you quite a bit as a bulldog, and then our other follower, Caleb Peabody, likes to remind him that, no, you're actually a Husky. Um, uh, but he's talking about your play style. But nonetheless, uh, Nick also has another question for you, Mason, and, and he wants to know, uh, what have you learned or what part of your game has really grown uh, these 10 games in your collegiate career? Yeah, probably uh, just the speed of the game has been the biggest adjustment. And then what I've kind of learned is just defensive zone structure and just closing killing play and going north with it so yeah when i kind of flipping it back a little bit i i don't know if you remember your first practice or your first couple of practices was there a particular guy a particular player or a particular attribute of those practices that really stood out from where you came in the ushl uh yeah there's a lot of guys i mean everyone's just elite hockey players here and it's a lot of fun being with them and being in the same locker room and it's just it's just a whole different game I think it's a lot quicker a lot faster and just a lot stronger men out there yeah well it's definitely not my men's rec league I'll I'll put it to you that way uh Josh I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit uh, another question from Nick Max and kind of similar to the question I asked Mason uh if you watch filming yourself on TV uh you know if you're sitting down uh, with Brett Larson or or whoever how would you describe your style of play and what you bring to the table for the team yeah I think uh for me personally my my strengths are probably my skating ability and then I'm more of a puck moving defenseman try to make clean breakouts and get the puck up the ice. And uh, I think sitting down with Coach Shyak, one of the things I've been working on is just walking the blue line, making sure can sift pucks through the net, find lanes, and um, in the defensive end, just closing on plays as quick as I can, getting my box outs and my glues along the wall, stuff like that. 
if I'm not mistaken, both of you guys, uh, not the tallest guys in the world, I believe both five foot nine, Mason, we have you listed at 172 and Josh at 176. So pretty much identical uh, in, in that respect, except uh, Mason shoots left and Josh shoots right. Uh, Josh, um, being a, a defenseman who um, I guess by today's standard would be still on the smaller side, but not by a whole lot. Uh, what was that adjustment like, you know, going into the corner for the first time against, you know, guys who are like Mason mentioned a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit taller. Yeah, definitely going from the USHL to college, the guys are definitely bigger, faster, stronger. And um, I think going into battles, you just, you, you got to go in with the mentality that you're going to come out with the puck, no matter what, no matter how small you are. So I think that's the mindset I like to have going into it and just um, no matter how small I am, just work out of it. So I, I got to ask too, I'm sure you guys have lined up plenty of times, but uh, uh, Mason versus Josh, one-on-one uh, -on -one small area battle in the corner. Uh, who wins that battle? Who's coming out? Uh, is Mason scoring a goal or is that puck getting chipped off the glass every time there? Oh, that puck's in the back of the net for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to say it's going off the glass. So. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds like a good Husky production segment in the making to me. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, well, let's say you guys are friends for the time being. You traveled to Colorado College last weekend. You're on the road. You guys, let's say you guys are sitting in the same bus seat, if you will. Uh, you know, what are some essential tunes? Maybe Josh will start with you. What's on the playlist on that road trip? What's on the movie carousel? Um, and does Mason agree? with your choices do you think um i think for me personally i like country music a lot so maybe be some morgan wallen or luke combs and as far as a movie goes it's probably something will ferrell maybe semi-pro or talladega uh, <laughs> nights yeah well uh both you guys are on fire let's just put it that way uh mason uh does he have good selections or do we got to switch it up a little bit here yeah i like him i like him a lot so it's good <laughs> That's, that's, that's fair. I figured being a North Dakota boy, you might be all right with, with the country selections. I, um, similar to myself. I, I got to ask though, being a grand forks kid, I I'm assuming you grew up an F and Hawks fan, as they say, I, of course they weren't the fighting Hawks back when we were kids, but nonetheless, Ralph Engelstead arena, an incredible building. I, uh, you had mentioned somewhere too, about uh, knowing that if you weren't going to play for the fighting Hawks, how cool it would be to play in front of family and friends, even, even on the road and potentially um, beat North Dakota in that building. How much are you looking for? forward to uh, playing North Dakota and do you have any support for the fighting Hawks at this point anymore? Uh, not anymore. I don't think. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I got that game circled on my calendar. That's for sure. And it'll be a lot of fun to return home and play at the Ralph in front of friends and family. So. Yeah, it should be good. Of course, North Dakota on the docket for four games a season, December 3rd and 4th at home at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. And then at the end of January, I believe the 28th and 29th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, up there in good old North Dakota in Grand Forks. I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, too, you mentioned uh, getting the call in, in the summer and knowing that uh, you guys were going to be um, at St. Cloud State. Josh, I'll start with you. I Besides training, working out, what else were you up to this summer? Did you kick back, relax, have some downtime? Do you have a cabin in Minnesota? Um, what were you up to? Yeah, besides training and skating, um, I was able to enjoy some time on the lake. One of my best friends has uh, a new wake setter boat that he got, so we do a little bit of wake surfing. Um, he also has a cabin in Wisconsin, so we were able to go there a couple times. And our family actually got a puppy this summer, too, so it was uh, – it was awesome to get to spend some time with the puppy before I left here. We actually just got a Springer Spaniel, a 10 week old Springer Spaniel a couple of weeks ago. What kind of puppy do you have, Josh? Um, he's a yellow lab puppy and we named him Stanley after the Stanley cup. So okay. he's, a, he's a hockey dog. Is he a hunting dog as well? Or just a, just a lab? Uh, just a lab. Uh, we'll see if he ever becomes a hunting <laughs> dog, but for now it's just a laugh. So you met, you mentioned, you mentioned the boat as well too. Are you a big fisherman or? Uh, yeah, I like to fish a lot too. We had a group of guys who'd, uh, we go on the docks at Lake Minnetonka and we, we had a good bass, uh, fishing spot. So that was always a good time as well. Josh, there's a guy by the name of uh, Easton Brodzinski. Don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, if you ever want to go fishing, you should find that man because he loves to fish to his heart's intent. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Mason, Mason, uh, kind of a similar question. What were you up to this summer? Were you with family? Uh, were you hanging out in Grand Forks or did you happen to travel anywhere? Yeah, I was in mainly in Grand Forks. Uh, my family has a lake place uh, by Detroit Lakes. So we normally go out there pretty much every weekend during the summer and 
my sister got married early in the summer. So I had a wedding that I was in. So that was a lot of fun and exciting. But other than that, going to the lake and doing a little bit of golfing. So it was a lot of fun. So how's the golf game looking? Are, are you a scratch golfer? Or not so good. Uh, uh, no, no scratch <laughs> golfer, but I'm, I'm all right. I'm okay. Not great. Not bad. Can you, can you hit the ball straight? That's the biggest question. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I can. So, so you're like me where you show up with uh, 18 golf balls and leave with about six. Okay. I feel that. I yeah, don't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel so bad anymore. Uh, guys, once again, thanks so much for joining me. I only got a couple of questions for you uh, before I let you guys go on your way. I know you guys are excited for the, for the weekend series this weekend, looking forward uh, to the contest that you guys have. Nebraska Omaha is on the docket. Josh, let's start with you. Uh, what are you looking forward to the weekend series and what's kind of been the message as you guys get ready to regroup? Yeah, I think for us, it's just about getting better each and every game. I think we've played well, but I don't think we've put a full 60 minutes together yet of our best hockey, and that's something we want to do this weekend. Uh, we know Omaha is a, a big and a fast team, so we know we're going to have to bring our best game to and go for six points this weekend. Yeah, Mason, similar question. Uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend, and what do you think uh, has been the biggest building block up to this point through the first 10 games for the team? Yeah, just growing as a team and just taking it day by day and game by game, just like we said. So it's going to be a fun weekend and hopefully come out on top. Yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, my final question for you guys, Josh, I want to start with you. It actually has to do with a guy that you're usually in front of defending, although it seems like he he uh, he hasn't really needed the help the way that he's been playing. That's David Rennick, who's been in the, in the pipes for the large majority of the season. Uh, what have you noticed from him, uh, both on the ice, but also, you know, off the ice in the locker room, uh, that one helps him kind of stay composed and have the season he's having? And number two, uh, <laughs> does he smile on the ice as much as I think he does, or off the ice as much as I think he does? Because he's probably the nicest guy on the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you said, he's he's an incredible guy. He's super super nice to us and super welcoming right away. Um, and on top of that, he's an incredible goalie. He's, he's been unbelievable in the net for us this year. And that definitely gives a bunch of us a lot of confidence knowing we got him between the pipes and um, you can't ask for a better teammate than him. So he's been awesome. Is he a little more serious on the ice? I hear he gets pretty dialed in. Oh yeah. He's, he's pretty locked in when it comes to game days. So yeah, off the ice, he's he's a funny, goofy guy, but he's definitely <laughs> focused and ready to go when it's when it's time to go. Yeah, well, hopefully you guys are focused and ready this weekend. Nebraska, Omaha on the docket. Uh, Mason, uh, my final question for you as well is, is on the forward side, kind of what is the message to the team? And also, speaking of leadership guys like David Rennick, is there is there one guy that uh, kind of seems to uh, be that vocal leader in, in the locker room, kind of in that upperclassman group for you guys? Um, yeah, I'd probably say Kevin Fitzgerald is pretty outspoken. So funny guy. He, yeah, he, <laughs> he's a great guy. I love being around him every day. And uh, it's just using our speed and getting pucks to the net and finding a way to put them in the back of the net. So I, I did remember one more thing, Mason. Yeah, I, I don't know why you speaking made me think of it, but you mentioned Mason, you're with Jack Peart in the roommate situation. Josh, I forgot to ask, are you with those guys as well? Or are you located somewhere else? Uh, yeah, I'm a room down and I'm with, uh, Ryan Roseborough and he's, he's a goofy guy. He's awesome. <laughs> I, love, I love having him as a roommate. He's awesome. That's a bit of a, a, a size mis mismatch there, Josh. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, he's definitely got me beat, but it's all right. <laughs> Is I, I, are you guys, I, I, now I'm following up on questions like I normally do. Is, are you guys like, do you have gel tourneys at all? Do you guys hang out much? Are you competitive with each other? What's going on? Uh, yeah, we, we have some gel tourneys. Mason's, uh, comes over for those as well. And, um, I'd like to say I'd come out on top, but I think Mason won the last one. All right, Mason, what, what's your play style? Are you a good, are you a good, uh, shell hockey player? I gotta be honest. The new version of the game is, I don't know if you guys are playing shell 22, but I gotta be honest. I think it's subpar to say the least, but that's my personal opinion. Uh, Mason, how is your play style? Is it better than subpar? Uh, I'd probably say it's subpar. I'm not, I'm not great, but I find a way to come out on top. <laughs> that that kind of seems like, like anybody who plays Chelly, you know, Josh will outshoot you by 22 and you'll win two to one and both of them be glitch goals. It's just, 
it's a mess, but nonetheless, Hey, we'll take goals. Anyway, we can get them on the ice when you guys play Nebraska Omaha this weekend, uh, Mason and Josh, best of luck. And uh, thanks so much for, ha- for, uh, stopping by on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Best of luck this weekend, guys. Thank you. Once again, just a ton of fun to have both of these guys on the show and uh, wishing them the best of luck. Uh, You know, guys that have competed very hard, like we had mentioned, uh, to get into the lineup. Like we had also talked about Mason with four points in 10 games or in through the first 10 games total, I I guess, respectively. And then Josh Lidke with two points on the back end as well. Uh, Nice to see both those guys get in the goal column early, too. It's always nice to get your first, get that monkey off the back and feel like you can contribute and uh, get a goal at the Division One level. I'm so excited for both of those guys and what they've got going on. Like we mentioned, it's Nebraska Omaha who's going to be on the docket uh, this week for the Huskies, and uh, it's a game at home. And nice to see them return home for their first NCHC contest at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Um, so taking a look, taking a look at the NCHC, there uh, 7:30 start time is going to be uh, between number one St. Cloud and number eleven Omaha, and then on that Saturday uh, for some NCHC hockey, it's going to be six o'clock, um, pretty akin to the normal start times. Uh, for most of most of the Huskies hockey games at home moving forward. A couple other NCHC games to pay attention to. Colorado College, uh, they're going to travel up to Amsoil Arena in Duluth and face off there. A 6 o'clock start for them on Friday, and then on Saturday, uh, it's going to be a 6 o'clock start for them as well. A uh, couple other NCHC games. Miami's going to host North Dakota at 6.05 p.m. on Friday. And then at 4.05 p.m. on Saturday due to that travel for North Dakota getting back there. So there's one to keep an eye on. And the last one of the week, Western Michigan and Denver are going to match up. Western Michigan is going to travel to Colorado. It's going to be an 8 o'clock Central Time start there um, on Friday and a 7 o'clock Central Time. uh, Number 4, Western Michigan. Number 24, Denver um, at Magnus Arena there in Denver, Colorado. So NCHC hockey finally around the corner, finally getting started, finally getting some points on the board uh, for the victorious teams. And of course, hopefully our St. Cloud State Huskies can continue that trend off of a great weekend against Colorado College. And Mason and Josh certainly look to be a part of that in their freshman season. For Noah Grant, this has been the Huskies Warming House podcast, and we hope to see you soon in the den, like we had mentioned as well. The next upcoming portion is should be a somewhat regular release time on Sunday with uh, my co-host that's going to be helping me out this week in Alex Micheletti. So you won't want to miss it and stay tuned. We'll see you soon in the den.